I'm Heather of Tangled Bee Crafts. And I'm Jessie of A Polar Night, and we're the Not-So-Crafty Gorgons. So we figured, like most of our predecessor podcasters, that it would make the most sense to actually take some time to introduce ourselves. You know, who we are, what we do, and why we decided to take a dive for this podcast. So, uh, Jessie, I'm going to ask you to go first. Tell me a little bit about who you are. So, uh... Just going to let people see behind the curtain a little bit here. Heather actually has some notes and I don't. So everything I'm saying is very organic. So I'm going to base a little bit of this off of what she's put down in her notes. Uh, So thanks for the cheat sheet. Um, (laughs) You can see what kind of students that we are. We're like, I'm very much just like, I'm going to do this last minute. Okay. Um, So My name is Jessie. I was actually born in Massachusetts and I have family in Alaska. And I actually moved up to Barrow, which is now known as Utkiagvik, because I read about it in an article. And that's its whole own story. And I basically ended up there um, with someone who was my pen pal because I read this article. I taught myself how to do wire wrapping when I lived up there. It's the Arctic, it's cold, long winters, lots of time to learn how to do crafty stuff. So ended up moving back to Massachusetts at some point and basically had, uh, I've had a polar night as my business with wire wrapping for almost 10 years now. Um, Cause I started it into like 2013. So I've been wire wrapping for almost a decade. I have a hey, dog. Girl. Yeah, it's it's I, I can't believe it's been that long. Honestly, it doesn't feel like it has been. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't feel like we're old enough to have done anything for a decade. This is. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's it's wild, especially when people look at me like I know what I'm doing, and I'm like, what? Um, <laughs> I mean, look at you. You are teaching classes. Like a holy cowgirl. Yeah, I don't know who authorized this. <laughs> But no, no, it's really good. Um, I have learned a lot and it's been quite the journey. It's also like very, you know, when people tell me like, oh, I could never learn that. I'm like, well, you could, it just takes like 10 years. It's fine. It's fine. Just take 10 years. That's a thousand hour rule to become a master, right? I mean, if I can do it, anyone can, to be honest, I am like the most distractible little being on the planet, obviously, since I'm supposed to be talking about myself and (laughs) and gently about you. (laughs) Um. So I'm, I'm married. Uh, my husband's name is Lewis and we have a Whippet whose name is Devo because I am a walking dad joke and that's fine. Uh, I also have a cat named Odie and I just got a kitten whose name is Waffles. So that's kind of all about me. So tell us about you, Miss Heather. Oh, it's super, it's super weird that you, and this is funny because I didn't actually know this about you, but that you ran to Utkiagvik based on something you read in an article, uh, because I was actually born in Texas and I, in second grade, we like did a unit on Alaska and the Iditarod, you know, I think Balto, the movie had just come out or something. And, um, I was just super obsessed with it. And I was like, I'm going to Alaska someday. And I graduated with my uh, bachelor's in social work. And I was like, you know what? Screw this heat. Screw all these crazy Texans. Let's go to Alaska. Let's let's run away from our problems. Let's do this. And uh, I ended up in Bethel first and then in Utkiagvik. So um, that's actually how you and I met. I uh, was in Utkiagvik. And uh, basically, I drove up there with my dog and my car and like, a box of books and clothes and 
Yay. Now I have this whole life. I'm established with a husband and two babies uh, and my 13-year-old dog. And then also like weird fun fact about me, I've been a vegetarian since I was 14 and I'm off and on again vegan. And that's a complicated conversation. Uh, so definitely don't at me because I'm not ready to be dragged. I can understand that because my mom is technically plant-based, but also if we would eat lunch, she'd totally get cheese. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to judge anyone because you know what? Mom is plant-based, but occasionally that involves cheese and it's fine. So well, it just, it gets so complicated as a crafter because so many of the materials we use technically, like, is it really vegan? Is it not? And so I, I don't feel right calling myself vegan, but like 90 percent of my diet if not more is vegan okay yeah that makes sense yeah so Jesse tell me how you started in the craft world and like what was your gateway craft oh gosh I think I'd been creating stuff since I was very very small um I distinctly remember having because I'm a lefty by the way um one of my earliest you know, how you have those memories as a kid, like those real early ones. Uh, I was in daycare from the time I was like two to like four, but it was like a, it was a very, it was literally called silver spoon daycare. Okay. And this place was actually kind of (laughs) bougie. Yeah, I know. Right. I'm just like, wow, way to call yourself out. Um, But I remember having an argument with one of my teachers about using scissors. And I remember like, I don't use scissors with my left hand. And he gave me these left-handed scissors and I could not use them. And I was like, they do not work. I am not getting a clean edge, but I don't know. in toddler speak, whatever. Like I was pissed that the edge was coming out like crappy because the scissors weren't working. So I have always been a crafter and I've always been really particular apparently (laughs) to the point that I was like two at this point and trying to use left-handed scissors. But beyond that, like, I do remember, like, when I was a kid, I made, you know, like, friendship bracelets, and my friends and I would go, like, door to door and sell them, which must have been fantastic for the people on the other side of those doors now being an adult and, you know, being an introvert. I'm like, wow, I, those poor people. No, but people (laughs) did, people did buy bracelets. I can't even imagine like in today's world, like having a child knock on my door to sell a friendship bracelet. I would feel like it was some sort of like FBI trap to be like, you're really into like kidnapping or something. Like I would be like terrified to open the door to a child. Like, no, I'm not here to be set up. Nope. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like what a, what a different time the nineties were. Uh, We were just, you know, I was out there roaming the neighborhood, basically like selling friendship bracelets. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I did, uh, friendship bracelets and then that devolved into beading. And then that involved me having way too many beads, which has been my state of existence my entire life, save for brief periods of, you know, moving some of my beads that I actually have in my collection I've had since I was like 10 years old. So that's pretty cool. And then from there got into wire wrapping when I got into wire wrapping back and like, I started to get interested in like 2011 and there just were not the resources that there are now. So a lot of my skills were very, very self-taught in that. And then I've also been like a seamstress off and on. So I got my first sewing machine when I was like 10. I made my own like tube dresses in high school and like sewed like cloth braids and stuff onto them. There's just some, some imprinted memories of these just interesting, interesting dresses, you know, but it was, it was, 
you know, the OOs. So, you know, wearing tube tops and tube dresses was still cool at that point. <laughs> and yeah, so that's, uh, and I make parkas. I, I'm also trained. I went to Italy Salgovic College and learned from Susan Hope on how to make traditional Anubak, uh parkas and uh, tickleroaks. So, yes. And your work is so beautiful. Oh, Thank you. Okay. Hope to get on that level someday. <laughs> So tell us a little bit. I'm curious because I've never actually heard about your like intro to crafting, like how you got into it. Ooh, it's super interesting by like not at all interesting, really. Uh, <laughs> so I uh, had a very giving and thoughtful grandparents and I had this one particular grandmother who's from Arizona or based in Arizona. I think she's originally from like Ohio or something. Uh, but she always sent uh, these craft kits for like Christmas, birthdays, and uh, she was really the one who motivated me to keep going. I don't have like a strong family history of sewists or crafters or anything like that. Uh, there's definitely people like, you know, my dad sews things like that, but it's basic sewing. It's not art. It's like utilitarian at, at its base. And so it's very, for me, crafting has been a very big, like, leap of faith into, like, I think I can do this, maybe, even though I don't have anybody in my family who I can pull back on to see that, yes, I can do it, and they've done it, and it's definitely doable. Uh, and I do think part of that just has to do with the lack of expendable income on that sort of thing. You know, money was meant to make sure bills get paid. And so I really started off with these kits. And I remember she sent me this latch hook kit one year that was uh, kitties, like two kitties playing with a ball of yarn or something like that. And I did it in three days, like straight, like did nothing else, was not eating, was not sleeping right. Like I was determined to do this and get this done. I was so proud. And I hung up this raw latch hook with no backing, no framing, no anything. I was like, look, I did this thing. And so definitely had a very haphazard entry into the crafting world and then started crocheting in college self-taught and it was a hot mess. Everything was super tight or super loose. And I basically crocheted chains and granny squares for like three or four years until I finally like was about to have my firstborn. And I was like, no, I can't, I can't make him a crappy baby blanket. This has to change. And so then I amped it up and challenged myself, learned how to read patterns because I I can't do videos. I just can't learn from videos. It has to be in person or from a book. And somehow I managed to get all the way over here in this crafting realm. I didn't actually know that you hadn't, like you didn't evolve in your crochet journey until like I already knew you. Like I had assumed you were well-established because everything that I've ever seen you put out has been phenomenal. And I've tried crochet. I think we've talked about this where like when I was little, my grandmother tried to show me how, and I'm, I'm a lefty. So like anyone who's tried to show me anything is right-handed and that was half the issue. I can do a chain and I can make lopsided flowers. And that's the extent of my ability. So seeing everything that you've put out, I had assumed you'd been doing it for like decades. Oh, well, thank you. No, I just am really good at not posting shit on social media. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very curated selection of photos there. 
yeah, one day I'll do a transformation Tuesday to show some of my like old school buffet scarves. <laughs> and that bring me so much shame to this day. <laughs> I I want to see those. And honestly, I wish I'd kept some of my my early like wire projects that were just I have them burned into my memory. It's just it's there. And when I have students and they're like so down on themselves, I want to be like, no, but listen, like the first step is being bad at this. I promise you, like I, I, and you are doing better than me because I was doing this with no one. When you start off with guidance, you're starting on like a stepping stone that some of us didn't even have. So like, trust me, like you being bad's awesome. Be bad at things. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So, you know, you mentioned wire wrapping and a little bit of crochet. Tell me what else you do. So your repertoire of skills. Oh, wow. Okay. So I have a history in graphic design and photography. I did do a year of art school. So that's a thing that happened. I did do some sculpture. I've done both additive and subtractive mediums. Uh, I used to volunteer years ago at like Idaho art lab. So I've also learned how to do like lapidary and scroll saw uh, I, nothing really stuck until I did wire before that it was beading and things like that. But I feel like those weren't really, those were just my gateway ones. Wire has kind of always been the thing I've come back to. And then more recently embroidery, I've gotten way more into it. Punch needle specifically is just been, I just have such a low attention span, which sounds crazy because I can do wire work and wire work is just all focus. And I, I cannot explain this when people are like, oh, I wouldn't have the focus for that. I'm like, yeah, me neither. I, I couldn't tell you why (laughs) this works, but with the punch needle, you know, it's embroidery that works up really fast. And I have probably 17 embroidery projects going right now that are in various states of being unfinished because I can't sit down and do an entire embroidery piece. I just can't. It's, and that's probably why I can do wires because wire is very easy to put down and pick back up. But other than that, I've played with, uh, I took needle felting with you. You encouraged me to try it and it was not a total disaster. So that was fun. (laughs) And other than that, just sewing and, oh, and I've also done carving with specifically Mastodon Ivory. Oh, sweet. Yeah. It's super funny that you mentioned punch needle because it's something I was going to mention because I learned about punch needling from you. (laughs) Yeah. I was just going to say with your wire wrapping though, I really hope that our listeners, you take a moment to go through some of the stuff on your personal social media because it's pretty impressive. So yeah, your, your pieces are pretty popular, pretty distinct. Thanks. I appreciate it. There's a lot of people that are doing some really cool stuff with wire, I will say, but we all kind of have our own unique styles, which is something I really appreciate about wire is that it's really easy to tell people's pieces apart, which is kind of cool. So tell us a little bit about like, what do you do? Because I'm looking at your list right now, actually. And there's some things I just didn't know about you. So obviously crochet and I I should correct myself a little bit. Like I do have an aunt who crochets and like my mom crocheted at some point, but due to like health issues, by the time I was old enough to learn, nobody was really doing it. And there wasn't like ever any like major heirloom pieces or anything like that. My great grandma did crochet and I actually was gifted a blanket that she had started, but never finished. And I never actually met my great grandma. And so this like project is super important 
And my goal with it is to actually finish most of it up and then have my sister, I'm going to teach her how to crochet the border so that she does the border. And then we're going to give that to my dad because my great grandma is actually his grandma. And so kind of having this sort of family heirloom piece, I'm really hoping my generation is able to kind of start that pulling from pieces from the past. But again, it's not a super big prevalence in my family like it is in some other families, but I do hope to eventually change that. I love Um, that. Yeah, I'm all about feelings. It's gross. (laughs) (laughs) So I, it's super funny in high school, my mom was one of those moms who was really big about self-expression. I was very lucky to never be pigeonholed into, okay, this is what we believe. So you have to believe this. Right. And so generally speaking, he was, you know, they restrict in the sense they didn't want me out there dressing like very revealing or super revealingly or whatever. But as far as colors went, I could be as wild and out as I wanted. And so I was known in high school for really having crazy pants. Like I was always bleaching my pants in different designs, cutting them up in different ways, sewing random stuff to it. So that really started my like initiation into dyeing. So this should actually be like reverse in order. I started dying before I started doing anything else. But as an adult, I've really gotten more into the natural dyeing where I've actually been rendering my own dye from things like avocados, onions, things that I've foraged, uh, different mushrooms, and working with mordants and really learning the chemistry. And so I've been having a lot of fun with that. I do have a strong preference for natural. I had to put a pause on it though while I was pregnant just because of the mordants and how that can be kind of toxic to developing fetus. But other than that, I have a whole lot of fun with this. And I do hope down the road with our Patreon listeners to eventually do videos on how to do some of this natural dyeing stuff. And you Um, must have a really easy time finding ingredients because you're part fairy. So that works out. Oh, oh, yeah. I I thought you were making a joke about because we're in Alaska and it's cold all the time. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but you're part fairy, so that doesn't matter. Like, you can find things. Like, I mean, you go outside and you push some snow aside and there's a mushroom, right? Like, that's how that works. (laughs) That's exactly how that works. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah. So, I learned cross-stitch because my friend Tegan, hey, Tegan, uh, she was actually doing a really, like, massive cross-stitch during a conference we went to. I don't remember what exactly was happening, but there were aliens and that sold me because previously my whole perception of cross-stitch was, you know, Jesus sayings and flowers uh, or something about bread, you know? And I was like, I'm not, this is not my thing, not my thing. But now I'm actually super into it. I really like uh, Night Spirit Studio and Witchy Stitcher's patterns. I think they're just gorgeous. And they really speak to my secret, you know, closet thoughts side of myself. Wow. I love crossage and it's super calming, super chill. So with Latchik, I, you know, I did a bunch of it as a kid, obviously thanks to my grandma. Hey grandma, thanks. Uh, if she even listens to, if she even knows what a podcast is, I just found out she's like 76. Um, but anyways, so yeah, so I, I got into Latchiking like super big as a kid and then recently got back into it and I got an unopened kit from the 70s on eBay that I'm super excited to do it's this like square spiral I don't even know how to explain it uh, but it's black red and white and I'm like ooh, this is like a cool psychedelic geometric thing going on so I'm really excited for that and then macrame so I 
learned macrame from an old lady. I used to, for my bachelor's in social work internship, I facilitated programming for the youth and the elder in this housing program. And this old lady was really into macrame. And she's like, it's just really important to me to pass this on to somebody. And so I was like, well, why don't we teach a class? Like you could teach a class and, you know, we'll advertise it and everything. And nobody showed up. And so it was just her and me. And I was like, why don't you teach me? And so she's actually who got me started in macrame. And so now I do things like wall hangings, plant hangings, all sorts of stuff. But all of the stuff I know is from the OG, like initial 70s era. Some of this newer stuff. I'm like, whoa, this is such a like, cool, like crazy way to combine these knots. Uh, so yeah. And then well, wet faulting is a fairly recent, like within the last year and a half thing I've been messing with. Needle felting. I took that class with Inger. Um, I took one before you and then the second one we did together. And those have just been crazy fun. The 3D felting, just the way that Inger teaches that class has been mind blowing uh, because I, I feel like she took what I perceived as a super complex, crazy technique and broke it down Barney style. So now I'm like, of course I can do this. Like, what do you mean I can't? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, and that, that's just Inger. That's just how she teaches things. So, and I'm super sad we're losing her to wherever she's going. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I messed around with like some felt appliques or however you pronounce it. Um, nothing else. Oh, and then I just started sewing and needle punching, punch needling, punching needle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I teach it and sometimes I go, crap, what's the name of this craft again that I do, that I teach? It's needles, needles and punching, punch needles, needle punching. Yeah. Don't, super valid. Super, well, su super valid. Super shout out to you because I broke it the first time I kept, like the first several times I've tried this craft and I finally take your class and you're like, here's all the things you need to do and know about so that you're successful. And then I listened to you and it was like, holy shit, I can do this. So, I mean, yeah. that's the nice thing is that like when you go to a class, it's not like the person necessarily even needs to be an expert. They just need to have made the mistakes so that you can avoid those initial mistakes and then you can run with it. And it's great. And I recommend, I recommend classes, take classes. Yeah. They're great. I also recommend teaching classes if you have the skills because it's it's so inaccessible right now, you know, and I think having in person or even the same classes makes a huge difference to the crafting community. And it helps in like, at least for me, I can't speak for everyone, but I think teaching things helps reinforce it in your brain and you can even figure out new ways of doing things by teaching someone else how to do it. Yeah. Well, and like people in classes do weird stuff all the time. And I feel like that changes things so much. Like I've taught crochet classes at Tuzzy, the library up in Utskiagvik. And I always had students in there from like kids to, you know, elders who would be doing stuff and asking me why they were not getting what I was getting. I'm like, I don't know how you're getting what you're getting, but it's amazing. Like let me stare at you doing this for 20 minutes so I can figure out what you're doing. So we might have a new stitch to patent. <laughs> But yeah, so, you know, we, we both gone through our list of things we're already, you know, doing, learning, that we're practicing and doing. Uh, what about the crafts that you've always wanted to learn? So years ago, obviously, I went to art school and 
I had gone to San Francisco to visit some friends. And while I was there, I toured California College of the Arts, which is like a crafter's dream. I mean, it's an art school, it's fine arts, but it's fine arts mixed with crafts. And it's, it, it's like fine crafts, I guess is what I'd explain it as. And they have just mind-blowing facilities. Like I, I went to both of the campuses and got to explore and they have just, I mean, I don't know what it's like anymore. It's probably pretty similar though. I don't imagine they've changed it too much, but they had a whole hot metal working program there and students were in there and working while I was touring. And that wasn't even like on my radar at all. And I think that that might have been the spark that got me into wire wrapping. I would still really like to get into some hot metal working stuff. And my husband's done some, he actually made my rings. He, he had never done jewelry before we started dating. And then like within a year, he had like made my engagement ring basically. So he, he dove headfirst into it and I, I, we had all the equipment and I never did it. So I, I would like to, when we get the space to do it, do that. I'd also really like to get into glass specifically like lampwork bead making yes I just don't I'd never had a spot safe enough to have like fire in so that's not been on on the table and then the other thing is you know years ago I went to the textile museum in Washington DC and looking at all the different textiles you know the historical ones and then they had specifically a exhibit of Lucien Day I have been obsessed with her since I've seen her work. I love Lucien Day. I've based graphic design things off of her patterns. I just, the idea of designing textile patterns is intriguing and how accessible that is to people now that they have like, you know, basically print on demand fabrics and things. I have been intrigued by just textiles in general, weaving and stuff like that. I've, I've wanted to get into another California College of the Arts thing. They had a whole textile program that was just earth shatteringly amazing. Like just a building with every type of textile thing that you could imagine was just all in one spot. And they had like giant looms and it was just oh, amazing. It was amazing to walk through there. Now I want to go with you and like go have coffee and or tea and tour it and see just pretend to be students and just go in for a tour (laughs) I definitely have certain artists crafters that I have a strong affinity for I have a few and I'm sure we'll get into those eventually oh yeah they will pop up we're gonna have our prof crush episode where we talk about our professional craft crushes so what are some things that you haven't tried yet like I'm not looking at the sheet that you've already written (laughs) I have I have I have I have a cheat sheet guys I know it's so funny because like everything you say is a complete and utter surprise to me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Jesse is so interesting. I'm so glad, like, so glad I'm doing this with you. Uh, but yeah, no. So for me, it's super funny. I have like four looms, four different weaving looms in my apartment and I have never used them. Back to my grandma. She had gifted me like a a little kid's weaving loom thing. And I used that and I made rugs for my hermit crabs. But beyond that, I have never woven anything. And so, you know, beyond weaving for hermit crabs, I don't know how I'm doing. And I, I, on this like weird burr, like bought a freaking giant, massive loom uh, that's taking up my entire closet practically from this lady from Fiber and Ice, whoever, Palmer Wasilla. And I haven't used it because I'm terrified of it because there's so many pieces. I'm like, why is there so many moving parts to this? Uh, but I want to do it so bad. So yeah, weaving is definitely on the to-do list. Embroidery, I know this is kind of weird because of all the other stuff I do, like kind of circular around it, but embroidery just seems so intimidating but I really want to do it. 
And I think if I just like, you know, one of my plans is to just take a weekend and go to like a bed and breakfast in Montana and just learn all these stitches and practice with like no, no distractions, no interruptions. And then just come out the other end of that little vacay and be like, I get embroider now. I love that we live in Alaska, which is like one of like the least populous states. And your idea of going to go be by yourself is, I, it's just cute. Like not a judgment at all. Just like, I'm going to go to Montana, which is another place that has a low population, but it's different than Alaska where I live. So I can go be alone and learn to do this. Right. Instead of doll <laughs> sheep, it's goats. <laughs> Yeah. And then I really want to get into visible and artistic mending for clothes. I really think that's such a cool look. It's that like little subtle flashiness that I like in my outfits where I definitely like to be different and it to be noticeable, but not to be in your face. And so I think mending is a good way to go about that. And I just want to get better at sewing and needle felting. Those are areas I really want to get to the same level where I'm at crocheting. Cause like right now with crocheting, I feel like you can hand me a pattern and I can do it. Whereas uh, sewing and needle felting, I'm kind of like, uh. so tell me a little bit about your favorite craft. Now that I know about the ones that you wanted to learn and what you're already doing, which one's your favorite? It's so hard to pick a favorite. Wire is such a part of who I am at this point, And it's become yeah. so intrinsic that I don't think I could call it a favorite. It's just a part of who I am, if that makes sense. So like, yeah. I have kind of in that sense of like, you know, when you have a personality trait, you acknowledge it and it's a part of you, but you don't always necessarily love it. You know what I mean? Like I, I accept that wire is here and it's a part of me. I have a love hate relationship with wire because sometimes I'm like, I know I can make the wire do this thing and it's not doing this thing. And this is very upsetting and I need to walk away from it, but also I can't because it is me. So I wouldn't say that's my favorite. It's just my most in-depth craft. The one that I am enjoying the most currently would be punch needle for sure. So I would say that's my current favorite, but let's face it. I'm I'm a flighty bitch and it, that's going to probably change. Give me a couple months and I'll have something else. <laughs> oh, but I'm so excited about your punch needling. And I, I love all the stuff that you've been posting with it. So I'm excited to see more. Thanks. I appreciate that. It's actually kind of funny because most of the pieces I've made have been like, I need an example piece for class. Yeah. It's funny hearing you talk about wire wrapping the way that you have, because it's almost the same way that I feel about dying where it's almost like a spiritual experience, right? Where it's when I'm crocheting, when I'm doing all this other stuff, yes, it's, it gives me a certain feeling. There's the dopamine and serotonin releases and all that fun shit, but with dying, it's like I get into this weird flow and it's it's one of those things where it's, I definitely get to know myself better through dying because I get to be my own impatience. I get to see my own cockiness come out in dying because dying is not just art. There's so much chemistry and so much to the process itself. And even then you can follow the recipe for the dying and still not get the right outcome that you're wanting because there's so much that you can't control. And so it to me is just a constant spiritual exercise when I'm dying, because it's like, I have to let go of the attachment to the outcome of the project. Am I ready to let the dye and the fibers and all the chemical stuff I'm dealing with take me through this journey? Or am I still holding on to that piece of control that I struggle with so much? So it's definitely my favorite for that aspect. 
I under, yeah, no, when that's another thing that I've noticed with students and it's, it's hard to explain the, the act of letting go where they Mm -hmm. will have this thing set in their mind. And I'm like, sometimes the wire is going to bend in a funny way and you have to just go with it. Uh, in art school, we called that like destroying your darlings. Uh, it was like, you know, you don't be afraid to change things. Don't be afraid of like the flow of how it's going to go. And, you know, you have to, you have to just get in there. You have to just change stuff and go with what the material wants to do. Yeah. And it, it's so funny because I, I love the look of tie-dyes and the thing with tie-dyeing is you can never recreate the same tie-dye, right? Each piece is going to be somehow unique, even if they look similar. And it, it's one of those things with, you know, I've, I've taught a couple of natural dyeing classes up in Utskiagvik. And one of the things that I kept dealing with was, well, but I want it to look like yours or I want it to look like this. And I'm like, it's nothing. I can't even make it look like this again. I can get close but I'm not going to be able to recreate the same exact thing. So yeah, I think I, I think that's going to be a really fun episode for us to go into a little bit more down the road is that letting go piece and really breaking that down. But I think it's interesting that for both of us, our favorite crafts are the ones that have taken us to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what, what craft do you, you know, on the opposite side of that coin, what craft do you absolutely hate or refuse to do? <sighs> Do I really want to make enemies today though? But do I like, we're going to talk about this and we're going to get dragged. We're going to get emails. I know. Like, that's why I'm like, I don't want to be like, I really, okay. I don't like the word hate. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but like, I've worked with kids enough that like, I really don't like the word hate. Cause like, but do you actually hate it though? (laughs) To be fair, like there's things I actually hate. I just don't, I don't hate the people that do the crafts. Like, I just want to be very clear. I don't hate the people. I just don't like the crafts. (laughs) So I guess right now the whole thing with like tumblers, like just cups, how many cups does a person need? Okay. And like, honestly, I just see this going the way of like, you know, those little like pony bead lizards that everyone made in the nineties. Who, who has those anymore? Okay. Like they're, they're in a landfill somewhere. They're like, honestly, like like they're, I think my parents kept like two that I made for them and eventually the strings disintegrated and they ended up thrown away. Or Rex lace. I loved Rex lace. Okay. In the nineties, like Rex lace was it. It's like that plastic lacing with the, like, you know, when you burn the end and you can make keychains out of it. Yes. I haven't seen one of those in so long because they're all in the garbage and just, I foresee there being an influx of tumblers just in the garbage because again, how many cups do you need? Look, go to Goodwill. Look at how many cups there are at a Goodwill. I have a cup on my shelf right now that I actually bought at the Goodwill because I like the fish on it. And it's like someone's cup from their wedding. Like it has their wedding date and their names on it. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to get the names and the wedding date off of it, just for the record. I just really liked the fish on this cup. But I just foresee us walking through Goodwill in like 10 years, there being all these random cups with like just personalized like names, like, you know, having like Sheena and like, or like, I don't know, bad bitch on a cup. And it's like, okay, but like, who's going to buy that? Do you remember the foul bachelor at frog? Like the meme? Mm -hmm. I just, whenever I think of tumblers, I just think of like a woman or a man or a non-binary person who just hoards cups in their room and just like all personalized tumblers. And and so I'm just, I want to put a positive spin on it though. Cause like, again, I don't, I think for a lot of people, what I'm seeing is this is their first craft. 
and it's yeah. your first foray into business. And I think that's wonderful. And I totally support women getting into business. I hope that they take this as an opportunity to use it as a gateway craft and to start doing something that's more sustainable, that's less damaging to the environment. And that's something that people aren't going to have in a landfill in 10 years. Like I want to see you do things that are going to be on someone's wall or that they're going to keep as a family keepsake. I want to see these people doing that because there's a lot of talent out there in the Tumblr world, but it's being wasted on things that aren't going to be sustainable or kept. I also think it's it's almost like um, an MLM, you know, like a multi-level management scheme where it just feels like the big box craft companies are like, give us your money and mm-hmm. we'll be able to help you launch your boss babe business. And absolutely all about the boss babes. Really, what is the market for tumblers? Really? And there's so many that like, I can see it. I'm like, you have a spark. There's something in you. You could mm-hmm. be doing something so unique and you're doing the same tumbler as the girl on the same page as you and you both have different sparks and you're doing the same thing because this is the trend right now and girl you are better than that you can right. you can do better than that and I it just tumblers just make me sad there's just so much that's there's wasted talent happening there there's wasted materials and it's just sad <laughs> <laughs> what about you well I was also gonna talk about tumblers but Honestly, my other one is uh, scrapbooking and it's, it's not like a hate. It's just, I refuse to do it. I just, I can't get into, I don't understand it. Um, For one thing, I just don't understand the purpose and maybe because I just have never really seen a completed scrapbook. You know, that's definitely probably part of it. I've only ever seen the carts with all the, you know, scrapbooking supplies never an actually completed scrapbooks. I don't even know if they're real. I feel like at this point in my life, they're just like the thing, you know, that people talk about to divert from what's really going on with their lives. And I, I don't do paper crafts very well. It's so funny because I feel like when you give me fibers that are like protein or, you know, even like silk, and bamboo fibers in the form of thread or yarn, I can manipulate it into doing what I want. Give me paper and it's just like, what's happening with my hands right now? Like whose hands are these? So I, I definitely just scrapbooking just not on my to-do list at all. And if you've completed a scrapbook, I'd love to see it so that I know they're actually a real thing and not just some weird craft hoard, even though scheme or conspiracy. Maybe I should start a conspiracy about scrapbooking. That, that'll so, be the, the real focus of this podcast. I don't hate scrapbooking, but here's my thing. So I have done paper crafts and I've done paper crafts successfully because, you know, I come from an art school background. I've done some drawing. I've done some flat work. And I lived with someone for a little while who was a very good card maker. And she's done things like little tiny scrapbooks, like family books or like event books and things like that, that were super, super cute, but they were more based in her knowledge of cards. And that's Nancy of Inksicles, by the way, she does fantastic work, but she taught me how to do cards and cards are great. It's like, you just do it. It's a little project. You make a layout and you're done. And my graphic design brain loves that. Scrapbooking makes me anxious. Seeing the word scrapbooking makes me anxious because I am a person that right now, I I at one point aspired to scrapbook. So I have things. Things that go in a scrapbook. But now I have a horde of like little like ticket stubs and wristbands from events from this entire summer. Like my first summer with my husband, we did a bunch of car shows. And now I have like random 
remnants of wristbands or not even full wristbands anymore because they've oh. been, they've been um, in storage for a while and, and ripped apart and stuff. And so I have like a hoard of little materials that were intended for scrapbook and it's never happened because it's not who I am as a human. So I don't hate scrapbooking. It's a different thing, but yeah, no, it makes me anxious because I'm like, well, we're never going to be that organized. It's not going to happen. I feel like maybe the babes doing the Tumblr crafts should move over and start a business where it's like you send them your shit to be scrapbooked and they scrapbook for you. Like they do like an hour long interview and you like talk to them about it and then they do it. I would pay for that. I would absolutely, I just be like, here, take my, my wristband remnants from the car shows. And also (laughs) this one photo that I took. (laughs) Yeah. But it, but if you go into this, you guys have to be ready and willing to deal with weird shit, like placenta scrapings. You know what I mean? Cause like people want things preserved. (laughs) Don't ask what's in my to be scrapbooked box because I don't even believe scrapbooks are real. (laughs) What were your motivations for podcasting? Because Heather asked me to. No, because I like hearing myself talk. No, I mean, those are valid things, but that's not the motivation. I've wanted to do a podcast for a while, like completely honestly. My my husband, like when we were talking earlier, he walked by, he's like, I'm surprised you didn't do this sooner. And I'm like, well, yeah, me too. I just didn't. I have, I'm, I'm directionless. I am a directionless little gnome. And when you were like crafting, I was like, oh, duh, that's a thing I like. And I can talk about that. I've always wanted to do it. And I like creating content. It's really fun. And I am excited to talk about things with you. And I like talking about crafting. And that's the extent of what I got. It's very deep, very, very deep. What about you? I just wanted to force you to hang out with me. I mean, and I like the secret friend crush on you. And I'm like, I want to get to know Jesse better. How can I do this? And it not be weird. You know, let's just dive into a fucking podcast. I think that's funny too. Cause remember like last week I was telling you, I was like, I don't even think Heather likes me. And then you're like, do you want to do this like big investment, like long-term project with me? And I'm like, oh, well, that's not what I expected from her at all. <laughs> I know we both have dumb, anxious brains that make us think the other people don't like us. <laughs> what is adulting? How do we have friends? But this is good. Now we like have to be friends. So it's perfect. Like there's, yeah. there's no excuses. We have to. I think that's the real motivation. Yeah. I'm being absolutely honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's, I've always felt that there's been such barriers to the craft world. Again, part of it is that income piece. Part of it is just this gatekeeping of the knowledge that you and I've talked about a little bit before. And just there's so much stuff with the craft world where it's, I think people who are new to it come into it and think, you know, they see all these expert knitwear designers and all these expert other people, crafter things, and it's intimidating. It's scary. And I think it's also so clean if that makes sense, like crafting is presented as such a clean and safe and almost sterile thing and experience. And there's so much other side to that that's not on Instagram or even that is on Instagram, but it's in the more niche pockets. And so my goal with this podcast was really to open up those conversations in the craft world so that we can start talking about the weird shit that happens with crafts, the mistakes, the bad stuff, the dark stuff, uh, the creepy stuff with crafting. You know, I, I don't want it to be just this bland, sterile, oh, let's talk about knit one, pearl two. I really want it to be, and this is not me knocking knitters. I think y'all are witches and wizards doing this stuff with two sticks. Uh, But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about my challenges with knitting at some point. But I really just want 
crafting to be more accessible. And even for people of color and with disabilities, I think there's so much gatekeeping that happens there. And I really want to use this podcast as a platform to kind of unpack some of those barriers and talk about ways we as crafters can be more intentional in addressing some of that issue. And then also finding ways to shout out and help give voice to some of those other small businesses and get more recognition for them. So I really hope that this thing takes off so that we can be more powerful in what we do. Yeah. I think, I think you could say it better than I ever could. And like it, in hindsight, it seems so obvious, you know, to, to do this because I spend so much time we spend, I mean, whenever you and I get together, we talk about these things. This is literally how we relate to each other. And so many of my friends, like this is just like crafting just comes up again and again. And all of these things are just things that are daily conversations in my life. So why not just talk about it and get other people involved in that discussion? You know, both of us are coming into this with the goal to not take ourselves too seriously, but also with the intent of teaching and spreading knowledge and helping people with some of those serious things that happen in the crafting universe. But yeah, I have no intention of being a super serious human being during this whole time. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I, again, I pull a lot of inspiration from when I teach and just seeing people that are so, they get these messages and they just instantly get down on themselves and they feel like they can't do something and they walk into a situation where they're there to learn and they feel like they can't do it. And I just, I hope that we can reach an audience in a way that people can feel like they can do things and they can explore craft and they can try something new and grow like that's what I want people to really take away from this because it's it's so disheartening when you're when you're able to do a craft and someone looks at what you're able to do and they feel diminished because of it I don't want you to feel diminished I want people to feel empowered and like they can learn it too well and like fighting that imposter syndrome right because it's I, I think that's part of it especially as female binary females we have been conditioned to see each other as competition And the primary population that crafts is binary women. And so it's one of those things where I think it's going to be super important throughout this podcast that we really call that out when we see it. Not necessarily that you and I do it, but talk about when it's happened for us or when we've experienced and kind of break it down of where that's coming from and give opportunities for others and also use this as a way to praise other women and acknowledge how powerful their work has been doing. And, you know, throughout this episode alone, we've mentioned how many women who have led to our own growth and development as crafters. You know, we've talked about Susan, we've talked about Inger, and then we've both mentioned a couple other people. And I think that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe one day we'll be able to have them on the podcast. That would be pretty nifty. I hope so. That'd be really cool. I love it. This is so good. So uh, I know we've talked a little bit And I want to share with the listeners and Jesse, please jump in, but where we want to take this podcast, we've had a couple possible episode ideas, but we definitely want to hear from anybody listening on things you guys want to hear about. Uh, But Jesse, I know you have a couple that you've already been working on doing the research for. Yes. (laughs) If I've learned anything, I've been listening to lots of podcasts, you guys, like my whole brain is a podcast right now. And apparently you're allowed to be as awkward as you want on your podcast. And that's really comforting because I'm as I'm very awkward in real life. So this is perfect. We're fine. Uh, So I'm going to be doing an episode on capitalism and crafts and Heather is going to be supporting me. I've done a little bit of research on that and I have lots of opinions, big, loud opinions for a very small, short human. I have very big opinions that allow me to take up space in the world. So 
we are going to talk uh, about some issues that I've personally had with Etsy and materials. And there, yeah, there's just a lot there. But mostly uh, the thing that comes comes mostly to mind right now is Etsy because I've actually had discussions with a few people about it recently. Yeah. And then we're going to be covering other episodes on things like uh, being a parent or a caregiver or even just like how to craft with kids. I'll be going a little bit more into that uh, with Jesse as the support person. And then down the road, we want to be featuring different specific crafts and doing some deep dives on those. And then we are going to be covering some things if we can get the right uh, subject matter experts involved. Uh, we do want to cover things, things. Appropriation versus appreciation is a big yes. one. And we're just not really qualified to speak on that specifically. I have a couple of notes on that, that I feel like I can talk about in my scope and who I am as a person, but there's a lot there that there, we need to just have people come in and talk about that to have it be appropriate. Yeah. And then uh, talking about, you know, sourcing materials, uh, counterfeit or copycats, things like that. We definitely want to cover what are the ethics in crafting and some of the acceptable norms. Where does it go from inspiration to straight out stealing? And then uh, we want to go into some eco crafting things, ways to be more sustainable. And we're really hoping as things kind of evolve to get more feedback from you guys on what you want to hear about. Uh, But we also want to cover imposter syndrome. I'm going to be doing some stuff on mental health and psychology related to crafting because that is my professional background. I'm working towards my clinical licensure. uh, So I have a pretty strong background with that. I'm super excited about what we've got planned. Yeah, I'm looking at the episode list now, and I think we basically covered almost everything. Yeah, and so potential layouts right now, obviously with this being our first episode, I think things may change and evolve as we kind of find our best flow and what works. But for potential layouts, one of the things we're looking at doing is, Jesse kind of hit on this, is one person kind of doing the brunt of the research and the conversation with the other person being more support, writing anecdotes and kind of coaching the conversation along. And And occasionally there may be a topic where like we both have equal amounts of knowledge and it may end up being 50-50. But for the most part, we're, I think we're planning on just having one person kind of spearhead the episode, if for no other reason than just to have someone who kind of controls the flow. It'll just make it, it'll make it flow. (laughs) I'm Heather of Tangled Bee Crafts. And I'm Jesse of A Polar Night. And this has been Not So Crafty Gorgons. Thanks for joining us and have a fabulous night. Thank you for listening to the Not So Crafty Gorgons. We really appreciate your support and we couldn't do any of this without you, our listeners. Cover art is by Marina Soul Art. Music is by Naveed who is Amin Me on Fiverr. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review or rating on whatever platform that you prefer. And for exclusive content with the Gorgons, including tutorials, swag, and bonus episodes, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash notsocraftygorgons. For episode previews and other updates, follow us on Instagram at not underscore so underscore crafty underscore gorgons.